Welcome to All Four Downs. We've got a great show for you tonight. We're going to talk about this Heisman Trophy situation. Congratulations to Caleb Williams. We all beg to differ, though. We're also going to take a look at the national championship, this uh, college football. Are these the right four teams? It's it's amazing the way this thing kind of shook out. We sort of felt like this is exactly what was going to be going, uh, and it played out exactly the way we thought. Before things are over, too, I'm going to talk about Deion Sanders. I guess he isn't swack after all. Let me bring in my man, Ovi Muniz. Ovi, we got a very special guest on tonight's show, Max Chadwick is on the program tonight. We're going to get his expertise. We're going to find out uh, a little bit about PFF, uh, whether or not Max has had a chance to meet Chris Collinsworth. There's got to be something uh, <laughs> great coming out of that. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, got a loaded show. Good score on Max Chadwick. We're excited to get him on the program tonight, pick his brain. Although we, we've been talking about this for weeks. We sort of, I said, Caleb Williams, I thought that, you know, he's like the, like the sweetheart, like Lincoln Riley. Like if, if they got to give it to him, that'd be great. They would be happy to do it. I'm still beside myself. I don't know what else Max Duggan could have done to lead T. I mean, look, TCU's in the college playoff. I thought they were going to get screwed. I was certain that there was no way. Uh, especially after they lost that Big 12 title game. It seemed like perfectly set up. They were going to squeeze Ohio State in, probably squeeze Bama in there and push TCU out. So I'll take that. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, Caleb Williams, sorry to say, that was not the best football player this year in college. And, and again, I'm I'm shocked that it's not Max Duggan. I don't know what else dude could have done to get that award. I don't know either, and I know once we bring uh, Max Chadwick onto the show, he will tell us his perspective on the Heisman. I thought Max Duggan deserved more credibility than uh, Caleb Williams just because, I mean, you looked at the performance he did against Kansas State, you know, down to the wire, went on overtime. I mean, he was hurt. I mean, he had to push his, his own teammates away so he could breathe, right? And to be able to continue, all right, all the way to the end of the game, unfortunately, they fell short. But, you know, they made it there, and it was a close game. I just thought that right there in that moment, he was the Heisman. Um, but, uh, hey, before we even continue. Exemplified, exemplified mm-hmm. everything that you want in a college football player. He is the definition the of a Heisman. I mean, that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And, again, if you look at the guy's numbers, Max Duggan put up tremendous numbers all season long. I know a lot of their games were tight. But, again, it was him willing this team week after week, even, again, in, the, in their only loss of the season. My God. He left it all on the field. What what else is there? I just don't understand it. Th- this is this to me, Caleb Williams. This is the worst choice since Devontae Smith got the lifetime achievement award two years ago. We were saying that Mac Jones should have won it. I know, I know, and we're still talking about it to this day. <laughs> oh, it rankles me so much. It oh. really does. But uh, but hey, let's let's bring in our special guest here, Max Chadwick. Uh, thank you for coming from PFF. Welcome aboard to All Four Downs. 
Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys. So what is your perspective on the Heisman? I know you have brought an article on PFF and, and intrigued me to reach out to you. Uh, please share us, in your opinion, who should have been the Heisman winner. Yeah, so I, I completely hear you guys are saying. I think Max Duggan was phenomenal this year. A story that tugged in the heartstrings, too. This is a guy, you know, had multiple heart surgeries last year, played through a, a broken foot and torn tendon in his foot uh, last year as well. And then he ended this year as a backup quarterback. And it wasn't until the starter got hurt that he took over and, you know, had this amazing season. So I get that. Uh, Caleb Williams, I'm, I'm cool with winning it. The guy I would have given it to, and I wrote an article about it, was Michigan running back Blake Corum. Now, I understand the injury, how he's out for the season now. He's not playing in the playoff. Um, and he didn't play in the Big Ten Championship game. He didn't play in the Ohio State game, really, either. He only had one carry in that game. So I understand the biggest games of the year, he wasn't there. Big, big knock, you know. But otherwise, when you look at all the PFF metrics, he has been the best player in college football this year. He had a 95.9 grade this year, which is the highest among all players in the country. Uh, in fact, among Power 5 players since we started grading college football, Kyle Pitts, Chase Young, Quinton Williams are the only three players with a higher grade than him. They're only .1 above him as well. And PFF also has a metric called wins above uh, average, which kind of tries to quantify the value of a player as well. And if you, as you'll guess, like quarterbacks usually top, top of that list. Blake Corum actually was more valuable in that metric than any of the Heisman finalists. And he would have been the fourth most valuable player overall this year. So I think Blake Corum was robbed of even being a finalist for the award i thought he was the best running back in college football he didn't even win the doke walker award Bijan robinson won that which Bijan had an amazing season as well i'm not taking that away from him but i thought blake Corum was the best player in college football this year and i thought it was a joke that he wasn't even a finalist for the heisman trophy how hard is it these days again take out the Devonte smith lifetime achievement award two years ago how good of a season does a skill player have to have in order to get chosen over any quarterback? It is next to impossible. Uh, one of the stats I, I put in that article was the amount of Heisman winners by position since 2000. 19 of them have been quarterbacks. Three have been running backs. One was Devontae Smith, a wide receiver. So four compared to 19 at quarterback is it's really hard. And like last year, I thought it was a prime example too, where Bryce Young won the award was a terrific quarterback that, that year, probably the best quarterback in college football. But you ask me, I, I think another Michigan player is robbed there as well. And I, I sound like I'm a Michigan fan right now. I, I can assure you I'm not. I'm actually a diehard Penn State fan. I, I'm not a fan of Michigan. <laughs> oh, um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> the fact that I'm like going to war for them, the fact that Michigan football is like tagging me in tweets to be like, PFS Max Chaddock believes in our guys. I'm like, no, I actually don't like you guys usually. But right now, like, it, I thought Aiden Hutchison last year deserved the Heisman Trophy because I thought he was the most outstanding player in college football. And it was good that he finished second for that award. But again, it's it, like you mentioned, it is hard. It, it's really hard for any year. You, one, you have to have a down year for a quarterback. There's no way, you know, that a, a guy who has a Joe Burrow or Kyler Murray like season, they're winning the award. Doesn't matter how good another player is they're going to win that award so it's next to impossible for a non-quarterback you have to have one you have to have an amazing year as a non-quarterback and two it has to be a down year for quarterbacks as well and I thought that we had that this year with a down year for quarterbacks and an amazing year for Blake Corum but turns out he's he's only the seventh in Heisman voting this year which I thought was insane that's insulting almost yeah very insulting it, it just you know it, it, he really is the best player in college football and 
I don't know. It, it, the fact that you're calling it that award and, you know, you put Stetson Bennett in the top four and it's like, what are we well, doing I'm, here? You I'm know? questioning on that one because I didn't have – I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan, all right? Uh-huh. But I don't think Stetson Bennett is a top 10 quarterback in college football. I really no. don't. I, I, I would agree with you. And I think his team is absolutely fantastic. Uh, they're the best team in the country, obviously. But, like, I don't think Stetson Bennett – you know, he, he was a terrific quarterback this year. He had more on his plate this year, I will say, than he did last year. Uh, last year he really was like, hey, Stetson, just don't screw it up. And he didn't, to, to his credit. This year he took a lot more on, and he was a leader of that team for sure. But I think they were like, hey, we need a Georgia Bulldog. They're by far the best team this year. we, we got to put a Georgia Bulldog in the top four. So I think that was more like we got, we just have to put him in. We have to put some Georgia player in there because of how dominant they were. And I don't think that's how you should do it. I don't think it should be, oh, who are the best teams, and then pick one player from each of those teams. It should be who's the best player, period. Um, and you look at it. I mean, three of the four finalists are playing in the college football playoff right now, which – you know, it says a lot about how the Heisman voting has gone recently. Let's talk about Hendon Hooker for a minute because he, I think by most accounts, seemed like he was pretty much in the lead all season, at least by Vegas's standards. Yep. He faces Georgia. Uh, and boy, I, I remember uh, leading up to that game, I said to Ovi, I'm like, dude, if this guy can somehow keep it close or pull off the upset, they're going to just hand him the Heisman before the game is over. They'll just get, take it home oh, now. Yeah. <laughs> that that could not have gone any worse. Obviously, he got hurt. and and But how good of a season did he have? And, and do you agree? I mean, if he beats Georgia, he's the guy. That's it, plain oh, and simple. Or well, you not even beat him, but if it would have been a close game, Mm-hmm. Played lost in the final minute. I think he totally walks away with this thing. I I, I would agree with you. And I, I think Hendon Hooker had a terrific season as well. He I think, again, should have been a finalist. You know, it's another case where Tennessee was on this amazing run and then they lose a couple games to end the year. And it's like, okay, we'll just forget about Tennessee then. Hendon Hooker still deserved to be a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. Um, one of the most valuable players in the country this year, according to our metric. Um, I will say, um, to his detriment, that – Tennessee offense is schemed brilliantly. Like Josh Heupel is one of the best offensive minds in the sport. Uh, that's why I think Jalen Hyatt, you know, I probably wouldn't have given him the Blitnikoff award, even though he had a terrific year. I think I would have given it to Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, just because this, the scheme, you know, schemes open so many receivers and Hyatt had a great year, but I think that scheme helped him out a lot, but Hendon Hooker was still a fantastic quarterback and 1000% should have been a finalist. And yeah, if, if he played that game close against Georgia, and didn't lose to South Carolina, they would have probably still been in the college football playoff. And Hendon Hooker is probably your Heisman Trophy winner right now. That close. <laughs> <laughs> that close. Yeah, uh, I I really did. You know, look, I, I don't know how you feel about Lincoln Riley. I happen to think, I mean, he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong. I think he's like, kind of one of those things that's what's wrong with college football. Like that's a guy who's more, I think more concerned about himself than any program. And I hated what he did uh, when he walked away from Oklahoma. I mean, literally lying to recruits on his way out the door. He lives this charmed life. Obviously they had a great season. I, I hate to say this, but it was with much glee that I watched Utah beat them and knock him out of the postseason. For that reason, especially, I thought, oh, good, Caleb Williams isn't going to get it because 
I thought Caleb Williams was one of the biggest disappointments in college football last season. And to see this guy be rewarded for, again, what, you know, again, sort of what happened with, with Hendon Hooker, where, you know, the season didn't end right and he was a little busted up and a couple, couple losses on the way out seemed, seemed to blow it for him. Ovi's cool with it. You seem to be okay with Caleb Williams winning. I, again, knowing that Max Hold on for left a second. It I didn't all. say I was cool with it. I didn't say I was cool with it. Oh, I, I mean, don't we have miss, to. Uh, don't want to. We, don't, we have brother. to. We have to accept. Of course, he won. But I, in comparison, and Max, see if I'm right on this. Is that who did USC? What was the competition for uh, Caleb Williams compared to Hen Hooker, which Tennessee played against five? Top twenty-five teams before they ended up losing to Georgia. Yeah, that's, right. That's a, that's a great argument. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely it's tough. Again, I, I would have given. I thought out of the four finalists there, I would have given it to Caleb Williams. Again, I made I made my case already for uh, Blake Corum, but out of the four finalists, I think they got the right guy out of those four. Um, but yeah, I, I understand. Like Caleb Williams was terrific this year. Um, I, out of the, any quarterback, he probably would deserve that award. I just would have given it to non, not a, not a quarterback this year. Cause I thought, you know, there wasn't a dominant quarterback and there was a dominant running back. And I thought that's, that's why I picked Blake Corum from the Heisman. I agree with you. I mean, uh, like you had, you convinced me on there. Yes, he got hurt, but then I will lean over to the Texas, uh, Longhorns running back, uh, BJ Johnson, right? BJ Johnson, uh, yeah. Right, and, and I was like, look, I watched his games. He played very well against Alabama uh, throughout his whole game, his whole career really with Texas, and I expect him to be probably one of the top five uh, in, in the draft of, of coming of this upcoming draft in April. So, um, but other than that, you're right. You know, this year wasn't really about the quarterbacks, but the Heisman, you know, people said something different. So we'll, we'll see what happens next season. Uh, move around because look, Max Duggan deserves it, and I hope that he continues doing. I think it's his to win it next season. Yeah, I think for sure. I, I actually don't. I, I'm not sure. I know a lot of people are putting Chandler Morris, the other TCU quarterback, in there because I'm not sure if Max Duggan has any eligibility, honestly, after this year, which would be tough to to see him go like that. Yeah, he's, I think he's a senior right now, so. Um, yeah, I, I, he probably has to go on to the NFL now. And I think Chandler Morris, their backup quarterback who originally was a starter, he probably will be the guy next year for TCU if I had to guess. I, Max Duggan should, should be playing NFL football, plain and simple, dude. A, a, oh, an absolute gamer. I don't, you know, maybe he ends up. I, 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 he's I, a New York Giant. He's not going to, well, dude, I'll tell you right now, I am a Giants <laughs> fan. I'll tell you right now, dude, I would take a gamer like that, like Max Duggan, all day over a lot of these, these fluffy guys. You know, I, I want a quarterback that, uh, you know, is all banged up, is bleeding from every orifice of his body, and is, I mean, again, finding ways to win. Again, watching watching the Big Twelve title game, and and every time they needed that guy to do something incredible, he did it. Uh, and there was a couple of times, right, where they threw a flag and the play got called back, and it's like, oh, I, I just ran thirty yards. Let me, uh, I'll run for twelve and get a first down, and we'll do something crazy on the next play. And he kept doing it. And I don't understand how does that not get rewarded, right? I mean, I understand, and 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 especially when it comes to 
football, baseball, ba- I mean, right, there's all these measurable metrics now that we have where we, we could decide who the better player was. I love Blake Corbin. Again, don't get me wrong. Uh, the way his season ended, I thought, you know, was because and Ovi again. I got to I got to tell you, Max. Ovi was on Michigan all year, and he said Michigan was going to beat Ohio State. And uh, a lot of our buddies were like, "Dude, you have no idea what you're talking about." And he at one point had put Michigan in his own ratings ahead of Ohio State, and everybody was crucifying this kid. And he, <laughs> he actually broke and he and he switched them back one week. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> you are so right about this. Don't listen to what anybody else says because I, I again sometimes you just gotta look and be like, you know what? I don't care what everybody says, I don't care what the measurables are. I see it and I'm calling it, and I gotta tell you. For a dogs fan, this dude nailed it. He, he definitely nailed it. I, <laughs> I would have been one of those people that said, "Hey, I don't know if they got it." You know, when, when they had in, heading into that Ohio State week, I have a coworker of mine, Dave Safaro, huge Michigan guy, and he was like, "They don't Ohio State doesn't have it like us." He's like, "We're, we're tougher than them." I was like, "Dude, Corum's not playing. I, I, how you can't stop him? Like you just can't stop him." And they I think it, it right, but it's the defense that really carried over Michigan. You yeah. know, they stopped them when they needed to. And then by the time that fourth quarter, you know, you will expect Ohio State to flip that switch like they usually do. But it looked like they were fatiguing. Oh, they're, they're right? done. They, and that, and that defensive line was done. Yeah. And that's why they ran over them. And they, the score did not look like the entire game because the first three quarters was a close game. It was definitely no. a close game. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought – you know, it was definitely closer than a lot of Michigan fans are, are hyping it up to be. But at the same time, like I was still impressed that Michigan, without you know your best player, were still able to embarrass Ohio State in Ohio again, um, for second straight time that Michigan's beaten, which I think hasn't happened in like twenty years. Um, so I was super impressed by Michigan right now. And hey, I mean, they beat TCU. I think they're going to give a battle to Georgia if they get past Ohio State. Like I, that will not be like last year. I, I don't think it'll be like last year. Although I could be proven wrong there too. Well, I mean, last year in the semifinals, Georgia did beat Michigan uh, to move on to play and defeat Alabama. This year now, uh, Georgia has a tough task with Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And should they win, I am predicting that Michigan will handle TCU. Mm -hmm. And it'll be pretty much an SEC versus the Big Ten showdown. So, uh, again, I'm sticking with my dogs. I think they're going to take it all the way. I think they're the best defense in the nation right now, but you know, Michigan, when it comes to the rematch, they're very dangerous. I 1000% agree with you. I think Georgia is by far the team to beat right now. You know, I still think you, you head into that Michigan game um, and you have a Georgia Michigan national championship. Georgia is still probably favored by a full touchdown. Like that's how much better I think Georgia is than everyone else in the country. So yeah, I think Georgia is for sure the team to beat. The defense is still phenomenal. Like you said, Jalen Carter going to be a top five pick, if not the top two pick. Um, and then the offense, like I mentioned before, to give Seth better credit, like the offense last year just couldn't really screw it up. This year, it's actually like an elite offense this year. And uh, I, I think that they're a complete team and the most complete team in the country. Before everybody sells TCU short, and I and I think that's easy to do. <laughs> oh, there you I, go. I would like to point out, uh, Kendra Miller, if you look at his numbers, they're almost – identical to Blake Corum's a guy who we are talking about a, a, as a potential Heisman trophy winner. The numbers are, are awfully close and he did it with 
about 50 less carries. Mm-hmm. I just want to point that out. So, But I'm also going to point out that this is the Big 12 we're talking about that it's there's not that much oh. defense in that conference. Mm, you know. know, we can have this I argument know. every year. Listen, oh. Max, all every year we've been on this show, I have to prove him <laughs> wrong every time. Okay. <laughs> I will say Kendrick Miller is is a stud. I will say that. He, he is a very, very good running back. Um, I think TCU's offense, especially Quentin Johnston there at wide receiver, is probably the first receiver taken in this year's draft. Like they got a, a pretty good trio there with Duggan, Kendrick Miller, and, and Quentin Johnston. He's not rushing over 100 yards versus that Michigan defense. I, I don't see that either. I think it's going to be on Duggan. It's going to be on Duggan's shoulders. And the way he's been playing so far, like, who knows? I think that game could be a lot closer than people think in that game. So uh, I think TCU – I'm not just saying Michigan has, you know, a bye in the first round of the national championship. No, nope, but I'm taking the under on points on that game. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, is, this is not a shootout or nothing like that, but it'll be a great defensive game. But somehow, someway, TCU is going to find themselves shooting them in the self in the foot like they did with Kansas State. They should have had to beat Kansas State when they needed to, and they mm-hmm. fell short, and it's going to happen again in the semifinals. Yeah, for Joe, sure. Joe got that look like, no, oh, I'm what just are you doing, I mean, seriously, all they do is kick a field goal, and who knows? I mean, this thing <laughs> probably goes to, like, double OT. They win, they go undefeated, and I don't know. Maybe we're having a different conversation is all I'm saying. It's Listen, it's not like they they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. I thought that was a stupid call going forward on fourth down. I mean, that's just, true. That, but what, there's just two occasions dude, that Max, happened in the Max, fourth quarter. Max Duggan was mentally and physically drained at that point. Take the points. Just take the points. I, I mean, that might have been the stupidest thing that that Sonny did. This. I mean, it was stupid. It was a stupid, stupid move. And it and it cost them, you know, being undefeated. Uh, and and probably cost them maybe even moving up. I don't know about all that, though. So stop. Just, you stop. don't know. You don't know because it's Michigan, Michigan was like that too, no matter what. So don't yeah. even go there. <laughs> Yeah, look at you. Yeah, oh, no, stop. <laughs> Georgia and Michigan was always going to be the top two teams. But now that we're on that subject, okay, Max, I want your prediction here. Mm. Semifinals, who you got going to the national championship? It's going to sound chalk, but I, I think Georgia, I, if you looked at how Michigan played against Ohio State, and if that's any indication of – I guess the toughness that you could say for Ohio State, not trying to call them soft or anything, but like if, if Michigan does that to you and dominates you in the trenches like that, you're in for a world of hurt against Georgia. And I think it'll just be even more, it'd be a lot like that game last year uh, between Georgia and Michigan, where it was just like one team is just bullying another team. And I think that could happen. However, I will say Ohio State's receiving core is still the best in America. C.J. Stroud is still one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the country. If Ohio State's offensive line, which is actually very talented in its own right, if they can give him time, they could put up points against Georgia. And that game could be a shootout. Um, now, I don't know if Ohio State's defense will be um, able to stop Georgia as much, but it's a very improved defense from last year. So, again, that game, I'm also not you know ruling out Ohio State, but I do think Georgia – is the better team. And then I think Georgia might win that game by double digits. And then the other game, I think Michigan uh, actually will will pull out a somewhat of a close game against TCU. I think Max Duggan still has a little bit of magic left in him, 
But I think that ultimately the Wolverines win that game as well. So it'll be Georgia against Michigan in the national championship game, I think. I completely I like agree. I like it. <laughs> now the real question is, who you think is going to win the championship? I, I think it's Georgia. I think Georgia's winning back-to-back, which uh, hasn't been done in a decade since uh, Adrian McCarron's Alabama teams did it twice in a row. So, yeah, I think Georgia's winning back-to-back. I think Stetson Bennett's getting his second national championship after starting his career as a walk-on. Um, so, awesome story there, kind of like the, today's Rudy story in college football. But, yeah, I think Georgia is just – they're the team this year. And it, I really came into this year after they lost, I think, seven guys – um, from that defense and four of them were like first round picks on that defense or something like that. I really thought this was not going to be the Georgia team. I think Alabama or Ohio state will win it. And they proved me wrong, man. And I, I really think Georgia's the team this year. I think they're going to win the national championship. Max. Uh, I agree with you. That was my mindset at the start of this season. So my preseason rankings, usually I always have the champion at number one, mm-hmm. right out of respect, but somehow I had them in number two and Alabama number one. Yeah. Right. And then things changed after I saw Alabama play Texas. Max, yeah. real right? quick, do you think as a Georgia fan, the fact that he had Bama ahead of Georgia, that he should in some way be stripped of his fandom for that? <laughs> oh, I, man. Mean, I think it shows he's an unbiased journalist right there. I respect oh, that. I, respect no, I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a realist for Penn State football as well. I've always like learned a lot of Penn State fans that think, oh, this is the year we're beating Ohio State. And I'm like, dude, bro, our, that sec- our secondary cannot compete with them right now. So I think I think it shows he's unbiased. And uh, it's good to be surprised by your team and not disappointed. So uh, I'm, I'm, hope- I'm happy that you're having a good year right now. Oh, I'm happy, too. I'm happy I too. love Bama. And even I told him, I'm like, I'm sorry, brother. But, like, George is better than Bama this year. And it obviously mm. played out that way. No, but that defense looks better. It. Yeah, <laughs> no, but the defense do look better than last year, and, and that's what I was worried about. Was like, even though they have the talent, they're young and they're fast. That defies right? logic, mm-hmm. right? Like Max was saying, you lose seven guys off that defense, uh, four first rounders, and somehow your defense is better. Like, that, that doesn't make any sense. I think, too, uh, you have to tip your cap to Kirby Smart, man. You know, yeah. I, I feel like that guy's never quite gotten the respect. And I think, you know, when you're in the same conference as Nick Saban, the greatest of all time, it's kind of hard to. And I I mean, if they do win the second championship in a row here, I think he cements the, his place and his legacy. Oh, 1,000%. Another thing, like he was a Nick Saban assistant. And if you That's look true. at like the, the stat, like Nick Saban assistants against him, don't usually win. I, I think Kirby Smart is like one of the only ones to actually pull it off mm-hmm. uh, against him. And he did it in like the biggest of stages too in the national championship game. So yeah, Kirby is amazing right now. And he was, I think Nick Saban's defensive coordinator before taking that Georgia job. He's just killing it right now. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people need to, to put more credit on his name because now Georgia is becoming like that Alabama like that Ohio state and, and like that Clemson for a number of years too, where it was like, it doesn't matter how many players they lost like they're replacing them with these blue chip recruits that you just reload you know you're not re- ever rebuilding a team you're just reloading so now if georgia wins this national championship even if they don't win it honestly they're going to be a team that you have to consistently put in your preseason top five just because you, you just you know, i don't care how much they lost like they're going to be great again and I, I just they're they're one of those teams now and i think that's a testament to how much kirby smart has done for that program 
Absolutely. Hey, speaking about this program, you mentioned Tennessee earlier, and they're going to the Capital One Orange Bowl. So with and when we're talking about the New Year's Six Bowls, and we'll start with the Orange Bowl, Tennessee mm. plays Clemson. What are your predictions in this game? So that'll be an interesting one because obviously Hendon Hooker not playing in that game uh, with a torn ACL. So Joe Milton, the Tennessee backup quarterback, will be playing in that game. So he's got a big arm, obviously not as efficient as Hendon Hooker. Um, and then Clemson is kind of on a new quarterback too. For the whole year, they've started DJ Uyunglele. Never really worked out, even though he showed a lot of improvement on last year. I think he is one of the top quarterbacks in the transfer portal. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to be a quarterback on a, a big-time program like Clemson. So now they're on their true freshman quarterback, Cade Klubnick, who was the top quarterback coming out of high school. Uh, and he looked amazing in that ACC championship game against North Carolina. So what I'm interested in watching is like the future of both those programs because I think Josh Heupel's offense is so good that they could put in anyone in that. So I think – that, yeah, Joe Millen, I'm excited to see what he does. Uh, and if he's not good enough next year, they have a true freshman uh, coming in, and Nico Yamaleva, I hope I pronounced his name right, but he's a top 10 recruit in the country. He's a quarterback as well. So they could start him as a true freshman as well. So I'm, I'm excited to see what should be the future of both those, you know, now blue blood programs. All right, but you still got to pick one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, okay. you ain't. I'm not letting you slide on that one. <laughs> I thought you wanted me to preview. Okay, I'll, I'll pick Clemson only. Oh, I love the preview. Yeah. I, I, I think I think Clemson. I, I like them more because I think I trust Kate Klubnick and I trust that team a little bit more. Even though Clemson is going to be losing some uh, some of their top players too, because a lot of their players have decided not to play in the Orange Bowl to declare for the draft. So oh. I think Clemson will win in a close game. Um, but it, it will be a close game for sure. And I, I think I just trust Kay Klubnick a little bit more than Joe Milton right now. All right, Joe. I, I agree. I, I think Clemson wins a close one here. I, you know, listen, not having head and hooker in the game, that's the Tennessee is just not the same football team. Yeah. And I think I mean, they went ahead and like beat this. Vanderbilt 56. Yeah, oh, dude, I could I find, mean, I could find 10 buddies and beat Vanderbilt. Give me a break. <laughs> That's nonsense. Yeah, I think I th this could be a good game. I think Clemson's going to win a close one here. All right, listen, they they went ahead and blew it against South Carolina, and sixty three to thirty eight was the final score. So now that you're going against Clemson, which was originally supposed to be the top four team, right? Um, and then they started clicking right, replacing DJ. Oh man, I'm gonna screw his name up, Ugalele, mm -hmm. right? But I, I do got Clemson. I, I stick with defense first, then then offense, and Clemson has a better defense than the two. So I'll, I'll stick with Clemson here. I, I'm I moving a, on. Go ahead. Quick, I think a fun storyline from that game, too. You mentioned that South Carolina loss. South Carolina ended the playoff candidacies for both those schools because Tennessee <laughs> you know, was thinking, hey, we can make it as a one-loss team. We only lost to the best team in the country. They get blown out by South Carolina. They're out. Very next week, Clemson's like, hey, Maybe we could sneak in as a one-loss ACC champion. South Carolina says, uh-uh, and they beat him by one point the very next week. So South Carolina, <laughs> in two weeks, took down Tennessee and Clemson to end the season, which is unbelievable for that program. I'm glad it wasn't Georgia. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we played them earlier, so thanks. <laughs> but uh, well, let's move on to the next one, the Sugar Bowl, Alabama versus Kansas State. Yeah, this one's going to be interesting, especially yeah, I mentioned that that uh, that Clemson team, how, you know, some of their star players are not playing. 
I don't think Bryce Young will be playing in this game. I, I think again, I'm not I'm speculating here. I haven't heard anything, but he's probably gonna be the number one overall pick in the draft by probably the Houston Texans. Uh he's probably not gonna want to risk it. And not only that, but Will Anderson Jr., who might be the number two overall pick in the draft, the edge defender, he might not play in that game either. So it, you could be looking at next year's Alabama team in this bowl game uh, with a new quarterback in either Jalen Moreau, who did not look very good in that one start against Texas A&M, almost lost in that game. He was very not good in that game. Or you got a true freshman in Ty Simpson, who's a five-star recruit but hasn't really played much this year. So I think Kansas State, I would pick them in this game because I don't think Alabama will be at full strength, and I think they're going to be breaking in a lot of new players at very important positions like quarterbacks. So I think Kansas State will have most of their players playing in this game, namely Deuce Vaughn, who's one of the best running backs in the country. I think I would give the edge to the Wildcats in this game and and probably what's considered to be an upset right now. But again, this is all hinging on Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr. But I don't I really don't think either of them are gonna be playing in this game. So Ouch. I have to agree with Max. I don't think either one of those guys oh. is gonna play in this game i don't there really is no reason to uh you know i'd love to see it but i i'm i'm counting on neither one of those guys showing up uh and there could be others as well uh and i think kansas state right now gotta be riding high yeah uh after beating tcu so yeah it it feels like this is gonna be the big upset of the bowl games this is where I have to disagree with both of you here. Do it. Okay. Do it. You love Bama deep down. I know you do. <laughs> oh, here we go. No, no, not so fast. You're talking about you're talking about three weeks off before you start playing another game. Gives in Nick Saban time to prepare his guys for this game. That's and true. I don't see any of the players failing Nick Saban. I trust Nick Saban more than I do the Kansas State Wildcats. And believe me when I say this, Wildcats got lucky. This is their lucky season. Next year, you won't even see the Wildcats going for the Big 12 championship. So I'm booking Alabama to defeat Kansas State. That's fair. I, giving Nick Saban three weeks to prepare for a team <laughs> should be terrifying for the oppos uh, opposition. So, you know, no matter who's playing for Nick Saban, yeah, it's pretty fair to trust Nick Saban to pull that out. Well, not to mention, I'll say this too, if you get blowouts in the playoffs, you could very easily slip, Bama wins this game, slip them in the maybe number two or number three in the country, and that's where that's where everybody's comfortable with Bama when all is said and done. <laughs> so I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked by that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. <laughs> the Cotton Bowl, USC versus Tulane. I mean, I'm surprised that Tulane's playing USC here. Uh, I know USC wishes that he could be in the college football playoffs right now, but they got Tulane. And listen, Tulane, they, they're pretty good. They're the American champions, right? Uh, yep. But I'm taking USC unanimously on this one. Yeah, it's pretty funny how you how you frame that, where it's like, man, you are one game away from playing against Georgia probably in the college football playoff. And after losing that one game, you're now playing Tulane in the, in the Cotton Bowl, which – Credit to the Green Wave. They had a historic year for them. I actually looked it up for one of my articles I'm writing. Tulane hasn't been to a New Year's Six Bowl game since 1939 when they were in the SEC. That was wow. like the, the final year of the Great Depression is how I wrote my article. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a historic year for the Green Wave, and I think I'm not taking anything away from them. 
I do have USC in this, especially because uh, Caleb Williams, who we talked about at length earlier, the Heisman Trophy winner, he'll be playing in this bowl game because he's coming back to school next year. He has to come back to school as a true sophomore. So he'll be playing in this bowl game. So I think USC uh, will win this game. Although I will say, watch out for Ty J Spears, the two-lane running back, because I think USC's run defense is a little bit vulnerable. And Ty J Spears has been a superstar for Tulane this year. So could be a little bit of a shootout, but I think that USC will ultimately win this game. I lost money on Tulane. I thought Cincinnati <laughs> was going to beat them. Same. I thought UCF was going to beat them. I thought I think, UCF was going to win it I all. Honestly. What, I think this Tulane team is going to pull off an upset here. I think Ooh. it's going to be a close game. I love it. I think Tulane wins it, and I, I know I'm, pu- I, I'm not losing money on Tulane again. That's all <laughs> I know. I got to do it. Fool That's me fair. twice. Fool me twice. Not doing it three times. I'm going to take Tulane in a nail biter here. I think they win in, in the final seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they really upset uh, Caleb and Lincoln. And I think it'll be good for USC to kind of go back to the drawing board because I think they, they got some things they need to fix over there. Well, I don't know, man. I, I, I see your point of view, Joe, but I think this one, it, it means more for USC because mm. they're going to the Big Ten next year. Yeah. So you got to be careful with that because it's USC and UCLA converting over to the Big Ten. And, and I'm just I'm just wondering how they're going to set those, those two teams up in the Big Ten on the standings. But uh, it's more for them than Tulane. I mean, they, they, they'll be all right. They'll be all right. Don't lose your money on Tulane. Leave it alone. <laughs> How about this game, though? Rose Bowl, Utah versus Penn State. Wait a minute, Max. Come on, Max. <laughs> oh, Let me see is... if you're unbiased on this oh, one. Oh, okay. I, truthfully, my, my parents, would actually, I just got off the phone before I joined you guys. My dad was like, hey, do you want to go to this game? Um, actually, I went to the previous two Penn State Rose Bowl games, which is funny because I thought we were going to play you. So the last two Rose Bowl games I went to uh, that Penn State played in, they lost to USC. And on that USC team was a future New York Jet quarterback in uh, Mark Sanchez and then Sam Darnold. And I was like, if we play USC again, that means that USC's quarterback, Caleb Williams, is going to be the Jet quarterback in 2024. That's just the the way it's been trending and what Zach Wilson's playing. Honestly, they might be in the market for one. But now they're playing Utah. Um, This will be Sean Clifford's final game as Penn State's quarterback. He's been there for six years now. He's actually as old as I am, and I'm two years out of college. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, it's his final game as Penn State's quarterback. He's been there for four years, been the starter for four years. Uh, I think it'll be a close game. I think Utah's got a very, very good team. I I think they had a terrific year this year. They obviously were the bane in USC's existence. USC would have been undefeated this year if it wasn't for the Utes. Um, So I I think Penn State is the better team, though, even though I think it's really close. I think this will be another classic Rose Bowl game. And I think the Nittany Lions will pull it out. I'm not trying to be biased here, but I do think the Nittany Lions will pull out a, a very close game in the Rose Bowl and finally win, get the monkey off their back and, and win a Rose Bowl. You know, I thought, and, and I actually had predicted Penn State was going to beat Ohio State. And boy, into that third quarter, I was like, I got this. I yep. got this. And then I don't <laughs> right know. <laughs> I don't know what happened, Max, but it was oh, bad. It was bad. Um, I will say this. Um, I, I was pretty impressed with this Penn State team all in all this year. I really thought they were ready to compete with the big boys and and clearly not. But I, again, I think that just speaks to 
how good Michigan and Ohio State are. I don't think that's any knock on Penn State. That said, Cameron Rising, yeah, uh, to me is he's he's got it, man. He's got yep. the it factor. I think on a national stage against a big opponent, I think that kid's gonna have a day, and I do think that they're gonna knock out them Nittany Lions. Mm. It's been a and hell of a year for Utah, man. You you you, you got to like tip your cap to my goodness. That's that's a good football team, and and the losses that they've had this year, the the loss to Florida, ah, oh, inexplicable. The loss to UCLA, oh, they they were there, they had it. I'm telling you, I don't think Utah's losing this game. And this is why I'm picking Penn State because all right, do it one, do it. They're averaging 18 points a game, okay? They only got two losses, and we talked about them already, Michigan and Ohio State. Yep. I just don't see Utah. You just pointed out, Joe, some of these games that they should have won mm-hmm. and they choked is exactly what they're gonna is going to happen. And guess what? It's going to be three seconds left on the clock. They're going to be at the 35-yard line. And Penn State is going to kick that winning field goal, and that's history for the Rose Bowl. I I hope so. I hope that's how it. I hope that's how it goes down. But you guys mentioned a great. You guys made a great point. Penn State, like yeah, Utah beat USC twice this year. Penn State's only two losses were to two playoff teams in Michigan and Ohio State. The other ten games, I believe they won by an average of like twenty points per game. So it's really like they, they're kind of screwed by playing in this division with two absolute powerhouses in Michigan and Ohio State right now. That. You know, Penn State, I think, deserves a lot more credit than they got this year. I think they are firmly a top 10 team in the country. And right now they're number 11. But I think they're going to prove that they're a top 10 team against Utah. And I think it'll be a close game. But I'm excited for it, for sure. I will point this out. Utah, in their last two games, scored a combined 110 points. Yeah. They got to go I mean, offense. I'm telling you, Cameron Rising. Hold on. No. Here we go. Game to I'm just pointing it out. That's a lot of points. You no, know, I got it. I got to get at you, game. Joe. Joe, we're talking about Colorado. Are you serious right now? <laughs> Anybody scores 60 points against Colorado. That's why they got your boy, Deion Sanders, mm-hmm. to be the head coach of that team. Yep. Oh, Can't let wait. me get – wait, 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 wait. Oh, they I did so it on an interim head coach. Boy. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. But before we go to our last whistle to fourth down real quick, Max. Mm. All right. Football aside. My man, I read your profile. You said since you were age 11 – you want to be in the media business. Come on, tell us. What made you decide you want to get into the media business? Uh, the fact that I sucked at every sport I played probably was a <laughs> pretty good reason for why. Uh, you know, I, I, my dad kind of, you know, I, I told my dad when I was like, what, 10 years old or whatever. I was like, dad, I'm going to be, you know, Super Bowl winning quarterback. And he sat me down. He's like, you know, you know, you probably not. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know what? You probably, the fact that I'm riding the bench right now, probably, you're probably correct in that. So I, I always known I've loved sports. I've always loved college football. Uh, it's always been my, my first love. I love the NFL as well. Uh, but college football has always been my, my first love. So it's job truly has been a dream come true because I've always wanted to work for PFF too. Uh, and be able to talk to you guys about college football is a dream come true as well. So yeah, this is a this is a truly amazing uh, time I'm in right now. But yeah, uh, my my wanting to get into sports media really led from me not being very good at sports and me constantly badgering my my family at the dinner table talking about sports to the point where my mom is like, "Listen, we'll have five minutes set aside talk about sports." 
after that dinner, you cannot talk about sports the rest. So I knew then I was like, if I'm this obsessed with it, I, I probably should make a career out of it. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm doing right now. Awesome. Awesome. Joe, Joe's in the media business. He's actually an instructor at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Oh, so, wow. um, uh, yeah, that's I was his student. I, wow. I, I was that's awesome. I was, Great I was the guinea pig. Fella. I was the guinea pig. All right? I was yeah, the guy were. that you you do not want to be like this guy. All right. <laughs> I know a lot of great people that come out of that school. That's, that's actually really awesome that, that you mm -hmm. guys worked there and went there. It's that's fantastic. Yeah. But um, so you went ahead and correct me if I'm wrong, you went to Syracuse. Yes. And you were working uh in the media there. Uh tell us more about that. Yes, yeah, so I went to Syracuse, um, which again, not not a great football school. So that was that was tough four years uh -oh. there. But uh -oh. otherwise, uh -oh. otherwise they they're doing the the media side was awesome, and I, I got to work at some really <laughs> awesome places where some legends have, have worked in the past, like uh, WAR, the NPR station there. Uh, mm -hmm. I was a sports talk director there for two years, which was awesome. Uh, other guys like Adam Shine was a sports talk director there, and and Nick Wright, I believe, is a sports talk director there. So. Pretty awesome names there uh, that I was a part of, and that was great. I worked in the uh, other radio station there, Z89. I worked at the TV station, Citrus TV. Uh, just kind of got my feet wet everywhere there, um, which is pretty cool. It was an awesome four years I had at Syracuse. I, I met my girlfriend that I'm still with right now at Syracuse. Um, so, yeah, it, I had a terrific time. The, the weather was brutal. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible weather school. But other than that, I, I met some of my closest friends and, like I said, my girlfriend there as well. So, wouldn't uh, wouldn't trade it in for would I would not trade it in for any of the whiteout games at Penn State, even though whenever it came on the TV and we were coming off a 30 point loss to Boston College, I was like, oh, maybe I maybe I want to go to Penn State right now. But even with that, I, I still had an amazing time at Syracuse. Talking about whiteout, I mean that, that's all you get in the winter out there is is nothing but whiteout. That's white true. Out. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Six feet of snow trudging through to get to your class was was not very fun. Uh, I actually lived an hour north of Syracuse. I was in Watertown, New York. Oh wow! Okay, so, cool. Yeah, right. yeah. You, so you know that you know yeah. how brutal those winters no, get. That yeah. those lake effects snow don't stop. Oh, it does. Yeah, <laughs> it's no joke. It really is no joke. You know, so funny. now you. Syracuse is, is not a football school. It's definitely a media school. It's definitely, uh, you know, has a, a great reputation for putting out some some fantastic journals. My buddy Chris Velarde, uh yeah. is up there uh, at Newhouse. So yeah, um, you know, you're you're definitely um, you're not going to be an NFL winning quarterback. That's <laughs> fine, but you certainly went to the right school to get into the media business. So I I see even better things for you going forward, Max. Thank, thank you guys. I mean, that means the world. Thank you guys very much. But yeah, it's it was definitely an awesome school. My uh, actually, knock on wood, right now, my little brother will also wants to be going into the sports broadcasting and sports media business. He's applying early decision to Syracuse. Literally might be finding out this Friday uh, whether or not he gets in. So hopefully he gets in nice. to, to Syracuse and uh, hopefully he can continue the uh, the Chadwick tradition there. But yeah, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome school and I highly recommend it to anyone that's trying to get into the sports media business uh, as well as the Connecticut School of Broadcasting because that is that is up there too. That is one that is a very good school and that's amazing that both of you have an affiliation with that too. Because like I said, I, I've known a lot of people coming out of that as well and I, I looked at that too before I made my decision as well. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely look at both those schools for sure. So what's next with, with you? Well, well, before we say what's next, PFF, have you met Chris Collinsworth? 
No, I was gonna. I told you guys a story before. I, I guess I'll tell it now for your for your listeners. So I've not met Chris Collinsworth yet. I, I'm very excited to. He's the CEO of the company. Obviously, an NFL legend, a broadcasting legend as well on Sunday Night Football. Um, and I haven't met him yet. And my mom, because my girlfriend, my sisters, my mom are all trying to get tickets to the Taylor Swift tour, which I'm sure if anyone's listening, they know that that tour is impossible to get tickets to right now. So my, my family is trying to get tickets for the Cincinnati shows, could not get them. We tried everything, we couldn't get them. And I was telling my mom like a, a while ago, I was like, oh yeah, you know, Chris Collinsworth has like a box at Paycor Stadium where he sometimes goes to Bengals games when he's not obviously as insanely busy. Um, and she was like, oh, I, I remember you saying that about, you know, the, the box seats at, at Baycor Stadium. Like, why don't when you meet him, why don't you just say, hey, Chris, can I get a box for the Taylor Swift concert? And I was like, mom, <laughs> the first conversation I have with this absolute legend who's, the, who's literally my boss <laughs> is not going to be, Chris, nice to meet you. I'm Max Chadwick. I'm a college football writer for you. By the way, can I get a, a box, an entire box for a Taylor Swift concert? Uh, that will probably not go down very well. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm not going to be doing that. So, unfortunately, probably won't be going to the concert. But uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start off as that guy uh, with Chris Collinsworth. But yeah, have not met him yet. But I'm very excited to. That's well, when you Max, do. I, I'm, yes. I told you this before, Max. My mom would totally be doing the same exact thing. <laughs> yeah. I no sooner did I break into the radio business and was working uh, part time at, at a legendary station in Connecticut, very part time KC 101. My mom and I went out to dinner yeah. uh, at a restaurant about four towns outside of New Haven, and my mom pulled the "Do you know who this is?" card, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> "We gotta go. We gotta leave. Yeah, yeah. We're never coming back." Yeah. She yeah. Was, yeah, she was dumbfounded that I wouldn't even. She's like, why would you just bring it up to him? Just like, ask. If you just ask, maybe like, he'll do it. I'm like, yeah. Mom, I'm not going to do that to, to Chris <laughs> College for it. That will not be going down. No, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Max, uh, I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you for being on our show. Uh, but please hold off real quick because Joe, you know, this is the part of the show. He wants to get things off his chest, all right? And uh, he gets the final word, the final whistle, and stuff like that. So, Joe, you ready? Oh, I'm ready. You sure? Oh, I'm ready. Trust <laughs> all me. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you need Max with this. I'm, I'm going to leave Max with you. Hey, it's great. Listen, right. as it I'm turns excited. out, as things turn out, Deion Sanders isn't swack after all. You know, when, when Eddie Robinson Jr. wouldn't shake Dion's hand and, and said he wasn't swack, Dion turned it into a big joke. He said, if, if, if I ain't swack, who is swack? Nobody even knew what the hell he was talking about at the time. And I'll say this, too. A couple of weeks ago, Max, you don't know this, but uh, I had a heart attack, spent a week in the hospital. I'm fine. I'm doing great. Full recovery. But I had I, I had to cancel this show one night and I was about to destroy Lane Kiffin like I've done to Lincoln Riley many times before because I'm so tired of watching these coaches turn their back on these kids, lie to the recruits' faces. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not leaving for a better opportunity. I was certain Lane Kiffin was out the door and was heading to, to Auburn. The mm. fact that he stayed, the fact that he was a man of his word. And let's be honest, Lane Kiffin and man of his word, 
don't go in the same sentence. This move, and 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 tell me if I'm wrong here, Max. This move to Colorado, this is not about legacy. This isn't about HBCs. This is not about Dion's legacy as a coach. This is about Shadur Sanders. This is about getting his son first round draft status in the NFL. I don't see this as being anything else because everything Deion Sanders has said since he got to Jackson State about trying to level the playing field and bringing parity to college football and the turnaround he made at Jackson State, you got to say, it's been very impressive. I thought there's no way Deion Sanders is going to take the money and run to go to some a place like Colorado, which has been, I remember in the 90s when I was in college. Colorado had Cordell Stewart, and that was a pretty decent program at the time. And my goodness gracious, it's been a disaster ever since. So what other reason would Deion Sanders have to leave Jackson? Why? What What else is there? He's, he's Neon Dion. He's got all the money in the world. And, and let's be honest. He's he's great in the swack. I just don't see this translating at the next level for Dion. That's that's interesting. I, I think you you had it was very well said. And I think that another guy who I love and I think he put it really nicely too is Bon, bon Monty Jones. And he was like, I don't fault the guy for for saying, Hey, I'm I'm taking a better job. Cause let's be honest, like it is a power five job compared to an FCS job. What he is saying though, and I think what you're saying as well is like you sold these kids a dream, you know, where you, you told them, Hey, I'm HBCU. You know, I'm not, if Dion just came out and what we all thought he's going to be, and Dion cares about Dion, which obviously he did now, then it would have been a different story where it's like, Hey, you've always known, like you've always known that Dion wasn't um, going to be here for long, but Dion has continuously come out and said that he cares about HBCUs and he compares, he cares about that a lot. And, you know, for to tell those kids, hey, I'm leaving now for a better job, it is kind of selling them a dream. So I don't fault him for taking the job because it is a better job for sure. But you can't fault him for saying, hey, for acting like he was so committed to, you know, evening the, the playing field for HBCUs and then bolting when a better opportunity comes around. So I'm not surprised by it. Again, I don't fault him for even taking the job, but I do fault him a little bit for saying, hey, I'm, I'm here to stay and then taking a job. So in that, in that respect, I definitely understand for sure where the complaints have come from. Uh, and I, I'm excited to see what he does at Colorado. I think he's going to, he's going to get talent there. It's going to be whether or not he can coach it uh, and whether or not he gets good coordinators around him. I think that's very important because, as we've already seen, like they're going to be getting some highly recruited, rated recruits. He got the number two recruit in the country to go to an FCS school, which has never happened before. Um, so I, I think that Dion's going to get talent there. It's going to be whether or not he can develop that talent into a very good football team. And that remains to be seen. But I think for sure they're going to be a uh, very electric program to watch for the next few years. I think it, it will. he will see short-term success at Colorado. I think once his son passes through there, I think the interest will wane. Mm-hmm. And I think he'll move on to the next thing. So I think Colorado – it needs just take a look at this situation to see that rug going to get pulled out from under their feet in no time flat. 
That's going to do it for us this week. A big thank you to Max Chadwick from PFF for joining us. From a man, Ovi Wuniz, I am Joe McGuire. We'll catch you next Wednesday night at 9 o'clock for all four downs.